This is The Guardian. Today, Jeremy Hunt's first budget. What's in it for you? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Madam Deputy Speaker, in the face of enormous challenges, I report today on a British economy which is proving the doubters wrong. In the autumn, we took difficult decisions to deliver stability and sound money. One of Jeremy Hunt's jobs as Chancellor is to reassure people that the government is helping them by creating jobs, keeping their bills down, contributing towards the price of raising children and so much else. It costs a lot to survive in our society. And since Hunt was suddenly thrown into the job last autumn, he's had to bring under control the economic turmoil that was created by his predecessor and the then Prime Minister. Yesterday, outlining his first budget, the Chancellor wanted to tell us that because of his economic policies, we're all going to be okay. We will meet the Prime Minister's priorities to halve inflation, reduce debt and get the economy growing. We are following the plan and the plan is working. His plan is to get more people into work because even though unemployment rates are at their lowest since the 1970s, there are still lots of jobs going. We agree with the road haulage king, Eddie Stobart, who said the only place success comes before work is the dictionary. (laughs) So... So today I bring forward reforms to remove the barriers that stop people who want to from working. But we're still in the midst of the worst cost of living crisis in a generation. And it's not clear whether his promises will be enough for the millions of people who are falling behind on their bills. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, will Jeremy Hunt's back-to-work budget work for you? Heather Stewart, you're a special correspondent for The Guardian and you've been taking a close look at the government's spring budget. We're going to break it all down in a minute with everything that people need to know. But let's just give some background first about the situation that this budget has been launched into. What state is the UK economy in at the moment? Well, it's weak. So Jeremy Hunt was able to very proudly say that we're now not expected to have a recession this year, which we previously were. But um, growth looks very weak. And let's not forget he was giving this statement against the backdrop of 
hundreds of thousands of people out on strike across different public services, stories everywhere about how much the NHS and other public services are really struggling. Um, the cost of living crisis has bitten very hard on families, especially low-income families, but, you know, families right across the UK, really. And of course, let's not forget that he was following, you know, only a few months after that sort of crazy period last autumn. You know, we've had that economic and financial instability and, and we've got sort of general economic weakness that, that is expected to, to persist really for, for some time to come. How significant is it that we're now not expected to go into a recession? Well, so in the autumn, the Office of Budget Responsibility, the independent body that, that does all the, the forecasts that the Treasury has to base its maths on, was expecting the economy to contract by 1.4%. It's now saying it will contract by 0.2% and, and that we won't get those two consecutive quarters of decline that economists then call a recession. Now, a 0.2% decline in GDP over the year is definitely nothing to get excited about, right? That's um, that's a sort of stagnating economy, really. So Jeremy Hunt was able to say, look, things are better than they we thought they were going to be. But it's quite hard to say he's responsible for very much of that because it's really mostly to do with energy prices being lower than we expected, which is more to do with, you know, what's happening in global markets and in the Ukraine conflict than it is to do with anything here. Right. And, and he talked about his last budget being about bringing stability. But Jeremy Hunt's main aim with this budget was, he said, to get people back to work. How serious is the problem with Britain's workforce at the moment? It's a big problem, this issue of the workforce. And if you look across the major economies, uh, we're one of the only ones whose workforce remains smaller or the number of people in work remains smaller than it was before the pandemic. There are more than 2 million people who are economically inactive, so they're not in a job or looking for a job due to either to disability or to long-term sickness. We should say also there are quite a few people who've left voluntarily. So a lot of over 50s left during the pandemic. And in many cases, they were towards the top of the income scale. And it may just have been that, you know, they had a sort of forced pause from work during the pandemic and thought, oh, this is, <laughs> this is quite nice. Perhaps I won't go back to work afterwards and found that they could financially afford to do so and have stayed off. And there's not that much the government can do to change their mind. But, but there are uh, lots of other barriers to work. And we've got record numbers of jobs available though, haven't we at the moment? Yeah, we've got a lot of jobs available and, and that was this sort of mismatch that Jeremy Hunt repeatedly referred to in the budget speech. We have around one million vacancies in the economy, but excluding students, there are over seven million adults of working age who are not in work. That's a potential pool of seven people for every vacancy. Conservatives believe work is a virtue. Well, there are a lot of people who have young children um, who are finding that it just doesn't make sense for them financially to go back to work because finding childcare is just so expensive. They'd potentially be spending more on that than if they went back to work. So Jeremy Hunt has announced some help for them. What will that entail? Yeah, so this was really the biggest policy. It wasn't the most expensive thing, but it was the sort of centrepiece of, of the budget, really, um, which was first revealed, I should add, in a scoop by my Guardian colleagues from the political team. And what Hunt wants to do is to bridge the gap that there is at the moment between uh, the point at which parents go back to work or, or have the opportunity to go back to work when a child is sort of nine months old or to a year and three years old when 
most people get 30 hours a week of free childcare during term time. And I mean, I don't know how many reports from think tanks and other bodies I've read in recent months which have pointed to this problem of, you know, women, it tends to be, but parents being driven out of the workforce because childcare is just so unaffordable and and availability is patchy and whatever. So what Hunt has said is, okay, we'll bridge that gap. So today I announce that in eligible households where all adults are working at least 16 hours, we will introduce 30 hours of free childcare, not just for three and four-year-olds, but for every single child over the age of nine months. So there are some limits to it. So both parents have to be working at least 16 hours a week. And also, this is not something that can be delivered overnight. So it will start to be phased in from next spring, but it won't be fully available, Jeremy Hunt said, until September 2025, more than two years away. And please note the other side of a a general election. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a jam tomorrow policy in a sense. But you can argue actually, the childcare sector will have to expand significantly to provide a lot of these new places. And, you know, with the best will in the world, you can't do that overnight. So for somebody who's got a one or two year old now, they're not going to feel the benefits of it. But, you know, for people looking ahead to, to having a child in the next few years, how much could they potentially be saving through having access to childcare for 30 hours a week for a one or two year old? Well, it's big. So the TUC said recently that a full-time nursery place can now cost £14,000 a year. Um, Now, obviously, this doesn't cover you for the whole year. Um, It doesn't operate in the the school holidays. But nevertheless, um, this is a big expense for, particularly for parents who plan to work full-time. And as you touched upon, even though this is being billed as free childcare, it's not. It's subsidised for parents. The nurseries have to pay towards the costs. You know, we made an episode of Today in Focus last year about the crisis in nursery care. We spoke to managers of a nursery in Bristol and and they told us what's a familiar story across the country, really, which is that they're spending about 90% of their budget on staff and yet they can't afford to keep those staff. You know, they're having to pay them minimum wage in most cases. The number of nursery places available across the country has also drastically decreased over the past five years. How are nurseries actually going to make this policy work? Well, so one thing Hunt has said he will do is that he will increase the funding for each hour or for each place. Because as you say, uh, at the moment, nurseries say the funding that the government gives us does not fully meet the cost of a place. Although there's a big question, I think, about... Where do these new childcare places that will be needed spring up? Who provides them? What kinds of providers do we get? Um, you know, there were some other sort of smaller measures he had. So there was a, a payout for anybody wanting to become a childminder, for example. Um, you know, the aim being to sort of stimulate more childminders to set up shop. I mean, he also said, and this will be a very controversial measure, he also said that the government would relax the rules about how many children each childcare worker can care for. You know, it's hard to see if you're already an incredibly hard-pressed nursery worker on the minimum wage. It's quite difficult to see why that's going to make you feel like, you know, sticking with your with your job and how, or how it's going to attract a whole load of new people into the sector, which is what will be needed. So, you know, I think there are a lot of questions about the delivery of this. But, you know, stepping back from it, nevertheless, this is an attempt to solve one of the problems that sort of campaigners 
have called for for a very long time and people in the, the sort of early years sector. Mm, and there have been a lot of positive reactions from across that sector um, to this announcement. So that's childcare. What else is Jeremy Hunt promising to try and get people back into work? So there were some little bits and pieces for the over 50s. So um, he's going to set up some new apprenticeships. You'll be able to do a kind of apprenticeship, which will be called a returnership, which is a horrible word. But anyway, if you're someone who's over 50 and perhaps fancies going back into work, but in a different sector to the one that you've been in, um, there was a, a bit of a carrot for people right at the top of the income scales of very highly paid individuals. Some doctors have complained they don't have an incentive to stay in work in their later years because there's a ceiling on how much you can accumulate in your pension for your lifetime and not be taxed on it. And that was just over a million quid, 1.073 million pounds. Um, He'd been expected to raise that ceiling. He's just abolished it altogether. It is a pension tax reform that will stop over 80% of NHS doctors from receiving a tax charge. Incentivise our most experienced and productive workers to stay in work for longer. It only benefits people right at the top of the income scale, but his argument was, well, OK, this is tempting some doctors, who we desperately need, of course, to leave work earlier than they might otherwise have done. Um, And then on the other side of of the coin... There were some potentially quite punitive measures, I think, aimed at people who are on benefits. Independence is always better than dependence, which is why a Conservative government believes those who can work should. So sanctions will be applied more rigorously to those who fail to meet strict work search requirements or choose not to take up a reasonable job offer. There was a lot of talk of sort of tightening up the sanctions on people claiming benefits and, um, you know, increasing the number of hours of work that they need to find before they are, you know, harassed by the by the job centre to keep looking for more work. Um, So there was a sort of sense that, you know, we're going to help some people, but we're also going to give some people a sort of push. It's often a lever that Conservative governments reach for in order to sort of, you know, try and make life tougher for those people who aren't working. There was also a little bit more support for disabled people. Some of it is about offering more support. They're getting rid of the work capability assessment, which is a really hated way of, you know, repeatedly checking whether people are ill enough uh, not to work and to be entitled to benefits. That's going to go. There's a lot in there in terms of measures aimed at trying to get the long term inactive back into work. And it was some of it was carrots, but there were also definitely some, some sticks there. To understand how this budget might affect people who've been struggling with their bills recently, I spoke to a woman who we're calling Liz. She lives in the southwest. I'm a mum of two children. My son is 12 and my daughter is 16 and I work in a, in a silver shop. What's the pay like for that sort of job? It's a minimum pay. It's quite difficult, actually, to live on that. And how many hours a week are you doing? I'm doing 16 because that's what the government stipulate that you can do whilst in receipt of um, my benefit, which is ESA. That's employment support allowance, which is for people who have a disability or health condition that's affecting how much they can work. How are things for you financially at the moment? What are the kinds of pressures on you? 
Um, there's struggles every day. I'm constantly getting messages from the bank. There's not enough funds in there. So you have to literally juggle your money about it as best you can. Obviously, uh, heating, energy, rent, etc. Council tax is still a top up for me. I still have to pay those things. Mm, what have your heating bills been like recently? Ugh, shocking. It's more so um, not the electricity at the moment because of the £66 that we're getting off the government, which is, an, I can't thank them enough for that, I must admit. However, the gas, I have a uh, backlog of gas that I have to pay, so I have a prepayment meter in there. I'm paying about £35 to £40 a week if I have to top up on my meter, so I'm trying to keep it off as much as possible. Are there any things that you or your children have had to go without recently? Oh, yeah, heating over Christmas. We got blankets and extra blankets. We just, I just couldn't afford it. It was crippling. It really was. Um, and it was heart-wrenching as a mother to have to go through that. Um, I don't do my nails. I don't go and have my hair done. I'd love to be able to afford to do that. Um, but my children come first. You were watching Jeremy Hunt's speech. What did you make of it? I think he was very, he came across very genuine. Um, but what he was saying about the average family is going to be roughly about £3,300 better off um, per household in the country each year. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I'd like to see that, <laughs> to be honest. He announced a few measures to help people with their energy bills, keeping the cap on the unit price of energy. And he said that people on prepayment meters, which you are, will now only pay as much as those who pay by direct debit. How do you feel about those announcements? I think if it's kept to, like I say, if it's kept to, that's brilliant. Why everything else is rising, we need to cap this. Um, gives us a fighting chance at survival. People that are down in the uh, inverted commas lower classes, apparently, um, it gives us a fighting chance. And as you said earlier, you're on a form of disability benefit, which limits the number of hours you can work in order to keep those payments going. Jeremy Hunt has announced some measures that he says will help disabled people and those who have long term sickness in terms of their work. We don't have clarity yet on how those measures will work exactly. But if they would allow you to increase the number of hours you do while retaining your benefit payments, would you do that? I want to feel like I'm giving back, doing it the right way, full-time employment. Of course, yeah, absolutely. If you were to lose the disability payments, would that just completely rule out for you going back into work full-time? Yeah, it would. It would be mean losing about uh, 3.30 per month, um, which means I would be no better off if I went back to work. Watching Jeremy Hunt's speech, do you feel like he understands the problems that people are going through at the moment? I'm not going to say no, but I am going to say I think you need to live the problems. And a lot of these politicians may not have had this sort of struggle in their lives I do believe that you have to really seriously involve yourself with an experience such as, as this to really understand where we're coming from. I think they think that we're sitting on our backside screaming out because we're lazy individuals and we don't want to work more than 16 hours a week or we don't want to do the work and it's not the case. 
If you'd be able to look ahead, and I know some of these policies are quite unclear at this point, but judging on what you've heard today, do you think you'll be better or worse off this time next year? I think I'll be the same, probably, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think there's so many promises made by government that we all lose faith. And I think that you do get to the end of a long road with them and you think, oh, do you know what? You're all full of hot air now. And we do feel like that, you know? A lot of people feel like that. Coming up, in an ongoing cost of living crisis, how much will this budget help? The wait is over and we are back for series two of Pop Culture with me, Shantae Joseph. We'll dive into the biggest pop culture stories of the week again from Meghan and Harry. And this is why sort of turning Harry and Meghan into polarising figures ticks a lot of boxes because it just drives clicks. To Rihanna. Rihanna rocks up at about one. She just swans in like she's the most ordinary person in the world just running a couple of minutes late. And of course, the chaos of my life. I meet someone, I show my friends, they're like, mm, yeah, it's okay. Four weeks later, I'm sliding down the wall crying. One week later, I message my friends, I met you guys. This is how I dated 11 people in one year. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Heather, Liz, who I've just been speaking to, talked about how the government's energy plan, particularly having those payments each month of £67, helped her get through the winter. 
The payments are going to stop at the end of this month, but Jeremy Hunt is keeping another element of the plan in place, which is the cap on the unit price of energy. Why has he made that decision? Well, two reasons. One is that he was facing a very vociferous campaign. So so Martin Lewis, who, you know, is the sort of money saving expert who you sort of mess with at your peril, really, I think, because he has this huge public profile. Mm. He had launched a campaign saying, you know, this is going to be really tough on people. And lots of charities, more than 100 charities, had sort of joined that campaign. Um, I mean, I think the other reason is that that although the energy price remains high, it's a little bit lower than it was expected and to be in the autumn. And so the cost of doing that is not quite as punitive as the government might have expected at the time. But we, we should say that those payments, those sort of 60 or quid a month that all households have been getting, um, that will end, although there, there are some payments for the lowest paid families, but that universal payment, which we were all seeing on our on our sort of bills every month, that, that will go. So although the cap will remain in place, lots of people will see their bills increase fairly sharply in the well, from April in the months to come. This budget day happened at the same time that strikes were taking place across the UK transport, health, education, civil service workers, all striking. What they're asking for are pay rises. And, you know, looking at this back to work budget, what is Jeremy Hunt doing to actually bring those workers back from the picket line? So they've tried to tackle the NHS strikers or not the doctors, but but the sort of ambulance workers and the, and the nurses first. And that, that seems to have been their approach. So they've got those, or they've persuaded the unions involved in those strikes to suspend industrial action. And they are in, both sides tell us, intensive talks. And there does seem to be some optimism that those talks could yield some kind of a deal. And in order to do that, the government has moved its position quite significantly. So there is an effort by government to try and settle some of this, and they do seem to have put a little bit more money on the table in order to do so. I'm not quite sure what happens when you get down to um, Whitehall civil servants, who the government may feel have less public support than maybe the nurses, but um, there is a sense that government wants to sort of get get these disputes dealt with. So it's not headline after headline about, you know, people's schools and hospitals and everything else being brought to a halt. Before we knew the details of the budget, there was this general sense that it was going to be, dare I say it, boring, without any real vision. But Jeremy Hunt did express a vision for the future as part of this. Tell us about that. What What is he hoping for and how is he hoping to get the country there? I think it's worth mentioning that one of his strengths, he would say, is that he kind of wants to be boring, right? He was brought in, if you remember, by Liz Truss when she um, chucked Quasi Quarting over the side of her sort of sinking government. And Jeremy Hunt kind of came in and sort of stabilised the situation really by, by you know, doing sort of dull things like commissioning economic forecasts and trying to make ends meet and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, I don't, I don't think he particularly minds being boring. But there was some sense yesterday, I think, that he has an idea about the kind of economy that he wants this to be. So there was a lot of talk about devolution and levelling up. We have already allocated nearly £4 billion in over 200 projects across the country through the first two rounds of the levelling up fund. A third round will follow. Since we started focusing on levelling up, 70% of the growth in salaried jobs has come from outside London and the South East. And today we take further steps. 
more money and a little bit more freedom for uh, Greater Manchester and the West Midlands, for example. You know, promises of new investment zones in, in sort of 12 different places around the country. They could be 12 canary wharfs, he was suggesting. Which to me seems a, a terrifying prospect, but I suppose economically could be great. It's definitely a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a double-edged sword, that, isn't it? But anyway, um, there was a lot of talk of sort of science and technology. It's a £1.8 billion package of support helping 20,000 cutting-edge companies who day by day are turning Britain into a science superpower. And also, you know, the biggest spending measure in the budget was a tax cut for businesses. So corporation tax, the rate of corporation tax, which is the, the main tax that businesses pay on their profits, that's due to go up quite sharply. But Hunt said, I'm going to go ahead with that, but I'm going to give a much more generous regime, which will allow businesses, when they invest in something, when they buy a new piece of plant or equipment, they'll be able to write that off against their tax bill. And this is costing the Treasury about nine billion quid a year. So it's, you know, nearly twice as much as the as the childcare package is costing them. It's a big deal. The OBR says it will increase in business investment by 3% for every year it's in place. This decision makes us the only major European country with full expensing and gives us the joint most generous capital allowance regime of any advanced economy. And this is all Hunt's desperate attempt really to sort of kickstart some growth in the economy. The tax incentives that he's promising to businesses, do you think those will be enough to please all the Tory backbenchers who really wanted to see tax cuts included in this budget? Uh, Probably not, I suspect. So um, I think they would like to see personal tax cuts, which there was no hint of. We had wondered whether perhaps Jeremy Hunt might say, look, I can't do anything now, but let me assure you that, you know, next year I'm going to cut taxes. Well, he may aspire to do that next spring before perhaps an autumn general election, but there was certainly no sign of it. Um, and we should note that it wasn't mentioned because it was, it's was it been pre-announced, but tax thresholds are due to be frozen again this year. So, um, you know, that drags more people into paying higher tax rates, um, you know, so, so personal taxes are going up. I'm sure they'll like the tone of it. And I'm sure they'll like the fact that they can, you know, this the childcare policy is, is a good, what politicians call a sort of retail policy, you know, it's the sort of thing you could stand on the doorstep, and you could say, you know, sort of mum comes to the doorstep with a young child, and you can say, don't worry, you know, you'll have 30 hours free childcare a week, that's a sort of a tangible thing, a benefit they'll be able to offer. But in terms of the broader direction of, of, of taxes, um, no, I don't think they'll be very happy. Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, stood up and spoke straight after the budget was announced. What were his main critiques and what did he like about the budget, if anything? <laughs> so I, I think he was, you know, he sort of welcomed some of the business tax staff uh, because Labour itself has been saying, you, you know, you need better allowances for capital investment. He welcomed the childcare announcement. On childcare, of course, more money on the system is obviously a good thing. They obviously didn't listen to when he said he's actually going to do it. <laughs> but had had questions about, you know, how it will be implemented and why it's taking so long to get it off the ground. You know, why will it be 2025 20, before anyone will actually feel the full benefits of this? And then he had a sort of broader point, which was just, you know, look how terrible the economy, look what a terrible state the economy is in. Look how grim things are out there. And, you know, you're sort of standing there kind of telling us everything is is going to be all right and giving us a series of little sort of sticking plaster measures that aren't really going to change the direction of things. Our crisis in participation simply hasn't happened elsewhere, not to this extent. 
It's a feature of Tory Britain, and global excuses won't wash. We need a wider reform agenda. You know, Labour wants to say we need to do something really radical to kind of kickstart this economy. And, you know, what, what are you giving us? You know, no, no sort of sense of vision. And I think, you know, that, that sense of that he tried to give, that things are really, really tough out there. You know, you can see that when you look at the Office for Budget Responsibilities forecasts. You know, they pointed out that they're now expecting living standards to fall by 6% over the next two years instead of 7% you know, which is obviously marginally better, but they pointed out that's still the worst two years for living standards since records began in the 1950s. Heather, Jeremy Hunt said that his last statement in autumn was about stability and that having achieved that, this budget would be about stimulating growth. So will the next budget be about trying to win the election? I mean, I think that will be their hope, although it's hard to see very much leeway in the public finance forecasts for, you know, exciting giveaways for sort of, you know, lollipops for the voters. I'm sure Conservative MPs would love him to be able to say, you know, don't worry, I'll cut the basic rate of income tax from next spring or whatever. You know, I'm sure I'm sure they would love him to have a gimmick and I'm sure he would love to be able to do that, you know, and maybe he's hoping that the economic outlook will be a little bit sunnier by the autumn and maybe that creates a little bit more space in the OBR's forecast and maybe, you know, that allows him to do some some giveaways. But, um, you know, the, the, the sense of the statement yesterday was, you know, don't worry, we've sort of said the ship is going to be fine. Don't worry, you know, we're fixing everything, growth's around the corner, which is which is fine, as I said, it, where if you've you know, only been in power for five minutes, but given that they've had more than a decade, you know, the don't worry, guys, we're going to fix this mess, things are on the mend is, is quite a hard um, playbook to use, I would say. And everybody is going to be looking over the details of this as it relates to their personal situation, looking at these measures and thinking, right, is any of this going to help me? Because people are across the country seeing their real term incomes dropping faster than ever before, possibly in their lives. Will the measures that the government set out in this budget help those people enough? There's no doubt the energy price guarantee is helpful. More broadly than that, it's quite difficult to point to many measures that directly help people's personal finances, aside, as I say, from the childcare stuff, which doesn't kick in until next spring and not fully until the autumn of 2025. So uh, fuel duty, I suppose, is one other. So the government had cut fuel duty by five pence in the pound, which soon acted that last year. They've said they're going to extend that by another year. I'm sure he will hope in the autumn or in the spring to be able to, to have more sort of money to hand out to people. But who knows? One of the things that might have been missed as the budget was going on yesterday was the absolute chaos going on in the in the banking sector in the states, but also in Europe. I was slightly reminded, I have to admit, of um, that period in 2020 when you know Rishi Sunak delivered a budget, and then only a few weeks later, there we were all locked down, and he was having to introduce the furlough scheme. So you know, there's always chances can always be blown off course, and. Um, yeah, there is there is some turmoil going on in the in the financial markets. We should say, which we hope doesn't become some kind of major crisis, but was was, was sort of it noises off as as Hunt gave his speech yesterday. Heather, thank you very much. Thanks. That was Heather Stewart, whose excellent explainers and analysis pieces you can read at theguardian.com. And before her, you heard from Liz, who I want to thank for taking time to watch that budget announcement and explain what it will mean for her and her family. Special shout out to her son for helping with the tech. 
If you want more Guardian podcasts, then I recommend searching for Pop Culture with Shantae Joseph, wherever you found this one. It's a show about the biggest stories in film, music and TV, and it's back today for a second series. Shantae is discussing the Oscars and why some people think they've lost their shine. This episode was produced by Natalie Katena and Alex Atak. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo, and the executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.